day, sunshine. Good morning, smiling on this beautiful afternoon in Northern Virginia. It is the podcast taking over the world. Too Lazy to Write with your host, me, the real John Baker. You can find it on iTunes, you can find it on Google Play, and you can find it on my website, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word write, dot com. Uh, I'm back after taking a week off. Oh, what a week. I actually, I think I just got tired, and uh, I had a couple of sick kids for part of the week. Um, but it was a good week, and not the weekend that just passed, but the weekend before that. Um, in uh, the the last podcast I did, I interviewed drummer, percussionist, and programmer Doug Yole. I think I was saying his name wrong the whole time. Um but uh, Doug invited us as a family to come see him and uh, the rest of the band play with Suzanne Vega in Washington at the City Winery. And it was great. Um, my son, who plays the drums, got a chance to meet Doug, and uh, Doug gave him a little lesson for about a half hour. It was really, it was great. He was so, so happy, my son. And uh, a nicer guy you'll never meet than Mr. Doug Yowell. And uh, hopefully I'll see him in a couple of weeks in Harrisburg when he plays with uh, Joe Jackson. I'm very excited for that. But it was a great show. She did two albums back-to-back with an intermission. She did uh, Solitude Standing, intermission. Then she did uh, 99.9 Fahrenheit Degrees. And then an encore. And uh, the three songs you wanted to hear in the encore were, uh, were perfect. You know, Marlena on the Wall, followed up by Left of Center, followed up by uh, the DNA remix of Tom's Diner. I imagine you know what I'm talking about. Uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun. And uh, the city winery, when we got there, they, they had really not opened. Um, like they were they were still, you know, hammering and putting stuff together when we got there. It's, it's like a brand new venue. And um, it's in a part of town, I guess, that's turning around. I think it's near the Nats, the Nats ballpark. And... Um, and uh, we were we thought we were in the wrong place, but it turned out we were in the right place, and and that was evident when we saw the uh, giant vine leaves and grapes on the side of the building. So it's pretty interesting. Anyway, um, so that's how that went. And Doug, as I said, so great, uh, nicest guy. The band was great, and uh, Suzanne herself, we met her, and that was nice. I got her to autograph a ticket stub I had from about thirty-one years ago when I saw her at the National Arts Center on uh, the first go-round of Solitude Standing. So um, we did that, came home. My daughter then went and learned learned a song uh, from 99.9 Fahrenheit degrees on guitar. She learned how to play in Liverpool. Ah, my daughter's so talented. My son's so talented. Just a regular fucking bunch of Von Trapps. Um, so... I, I'm hoping still to have somebody else uh, interviewed. Uh, I, I'm p- playing like email back and forth with the with the woman, with the the person's manager, and uh, I really hope she'll just um, give him to me. I really want to talk to this guy, and I don't want to say who it is. And if I did say who it was, then you'll Google him, and then you'll not going to do it. So that's where that stands. And I want to thank my friend Gianni uh, for sending me a message on too lazy to write dot 
www.thegreatmusicianshow.com on the website, he enjoys listening to the uh, to the old podcast. I feel as if um, I feel as if I'm doing a bit of a uh, bit of a uh, like request thank you thing here. I don't know. Anyway, so that happened. I don't even know. We saw the Avengers: Infinity Wars. My son and I. In one of those theaters where you recline, oh, it was magical. We snuck ice cream into the theater. That was also magical. And because there were 25 minutes of previews, we pretty much finished the ice cream before the movie started. Um, But it was really good, uh, Infinity Wars. Um, Not to spoil anything, but that whole Matrix crossover with Neo. Oh, my God, who saw that coming? (laughs) <laughs> kidding, of course. And what with Bruce Willis's doctor character from The Sixth Sense being in there? Oh my god. And a little nod to Rosebud. Wow, who saw that coming? And the crying game whew, with Thanos? What? Who thought that was a good idea? I think that the song, The Crying Game, um, was an ill-conceived song for my first dance at my wedding. Or was it? <laughs> I, you know what? That crying game twist I saw coming a mile away. It was very, very obvious. You know, like I don't want to say like I'm like you know a soothsayer, hmm? but come on, everybody's like, oh, it's a big twist. It's a big twist. Yeah, that was a twist. I'm not ruining anything. The movie's 25, easily 25 years old. If I'm ruining it for you, then I'm a. I didn't even say what it is. Guy had a girl had a penis. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, not sure if this was the right uh, parenting uh, move or not. But in the realm of stupid things you say to your 14 year old daughter. So she's been doing this babysitting gig for a couple of weeks now. And the first time she babysat this this uh, young girl, five-year-old girl. So the house that she babysits about 25 minutes away. First time she babysat, the father drove her home. Totally fine. And the third time she babysat, the mother drove home. But the second time she babysat, the father asked me if I would mind driving her home, coming to pick her up, okay? It's a 25-minute drive to get there, 25-minute drive to get back. So you're looking at close to 50 minutes in traffic. That could be an hour. But, you know, realistically, at, you know, 10.30 at night, there's no traffic. So I go to pick my daughter up. Uh, it's like, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And, uh, and uh, she's like, why do you think they wanted to... Um, they wanted you to pick me up. And I said, oh, it's very easy. I can tell you why he wanted me to pick you up. He wanted to have sex with his wife. <laughs> now, I told my, my, my wife, I told my daughter that. She's like, what is wrong with you? And then I told my brother that I told my daughter that. And my brother said to me, what is wrong with you? But the way I look at it is this dude figured he gets home at 10 o'clock. Okay, you pay her, chit-chat, blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. You get in the car, it's 10 after 10. He's at my house at 10.30, back at his house close to 11 o'clock. She, the wife, asleep, okay? But if stupid father, me, gets in the car, 
you know, to pick her up. So what happened is they text my daughter at like, let's say 10 to nine, 10 to 10 on our way home. She texts me. They're on their way home. Can you come get me? I leave. I'm there 10 minutes after they arrive. This guy doesn't have to spend 50 minutes in the car because if he did spend 50 minutes in the car, he'd get back home and his wife would be all decked out in her sexiest sweatpants, fast asleep. And he would be left not getting laid. So in a word, I, I, I did him a favor. I did. Yeah. I don't know if I did her a favor, but I certainly think that he got laid because of me. So to quote the movie Moana, you're welcome. And, um, and to quote Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. And that was kind of a Jimmy Carter version of Forrest Gump. Let's move topics now to cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation has been in the news of late. Um, we appropriate cultures wherever we can, wherever we go. And people might think, oh, you're making light of it. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I don't know. I was talking to somebody because I am going in a couple of weeks to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. How long will you be in the, how long will you be, what was the line from Trading Places? And how long will you be in the city of brotherly love? Um, so I'm going to be in Philadelphia. And because the, the, uh, the crop reports are coming soon. And no, I'm kidding, of course. Um, I'm going to Wizard World with my son. Now, my son has his costume. I'm not going to say what it is because I'm very proud of it. And we're going to put some pictures up on Twitter at the real John Baker is where you can find me on Twitter. So, um, I have a costume that I'm going to do too, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but part of it involves being Bob Ross because I have a beard and there's not a lot I can do with my beard. Um, that I could think of. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go buy the Afro wig and I'm going to get the pink palette and I'm going to be part of me is going to be Bob Ross. And if you don't know who Bob Ross is, uh, he's, I think more popular now than he was when he was on PBS, but he had a painting show on, on PBS and, you know, happy little trees and whatever. So, um, and he had this big Afro and a beard and I was telling a friend of mine about my costume and she said to me, you cannot be Bob Ross. I said, why not? She said, cultural appropriation. I said, what culture? I'm pretty sure he's white like me. And she was like, no, he's black. He's an African-American man. It's like, no, I don't think so. I think that that was a perm and he was white. So I Googled it and checked it out and turns out Bob Ross, white guy. But I would not, look, I'm not dumb. Well, <laughs> the debate, you know, I, I am dumb actually. But um, Bob Ross, I would never go in blackface is the point of that little uh, segue. Um, and if you ever consider going in blackface to anything, just get that thought out of your mind. It just does not end well ever, like ever, 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 ever. So I would never do that. But she's like, you can't do that. Okay. First of all, um, I wouldn't. Second of all, he's not African-American. Third of all, even if he was African-American, I'm going as a mashup of two characters. So one could argue that the secondary character that I'm implementing in this costume is actually a white guy. So I'm taking on the features of both people, the Afro and the beard, and then other aspects of the, the Afro, the beard and the paint palette is the Bob Ross part of it. And the shirt and the other stuff is 
the other character and his skin tone. Like, I would never. Come on. Never. Anyway, but then I was thinking, because everybody's up in arms, you know, I guess a young woman wore a Japanese uh, dress or something, something like that to her prom, maybe. And I could be getting all of the details of this incredibly wrong, and I apologize if I am. Uh, but I guess she, her mother tweeted about it. And of course the internet went crazy. This woman, I don't know what she did. She, I think basically bombed Nagasaki. It was that terrible that her daughter wore the dress. And, um, I don't know. Was it really? Was it, it was a nice dress, you know, uh, it got me thinking that when I was a kid in Ottawa, there was a deli called Cantor's. And I think it was a Canadian thing. Cantor's Delicatessen or Bakery, I don't really remember. It was very unmemorable. But what was memorable to me was their ad campaign. And I remember one of the ads was a poster. And it was a close-up of a man who I guess back then you would have said was an Eskimo. Now I'm guessing Inuit, uh, um Aboriginal Canadian uh, First Nations, but back then that was the word you used. And it was a close up of this guy. It was a whole series of this was a Chinese person. There was, I'm guessing, an African American person. But the one that sticks out in my mind was was the was the Aboriginal man, and he had a big smile on his face. And I think the 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 like the copy line was, "You don't have to be Jewish to to enjoy Cantor's delicatessen or something like that." Now. That ad is probably wrong on so many levels because, you know, on the one hand you're saying, well, first of all, it's, you're, you're saying come and appropriate our culture where we got this whole Jewish, you know, way of eating, whether it be, you know, heavily salted deli meats or overly mayonnaised egg salad or a knish or a rugelach or a bagel, um, but you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy them. So I guess the ad would have been wrong because it would have been saying, come and appropriate our culture. And then at the same time, we're saying, look at this, this guy from the North, he can enjoy uh, a bagel just as much as he could enjoy whale blubber. I, of course, added the whale blubber as a stereotypical reminder of what I only knew of things like the North when I grew up. Oh, they eat whale blubber. I don't know if that's true or not. Who would want to do that? But then again, see, now, am I making fun of a culture? I might be. I don't know. Maybe I should just shut up because I'm digging myself in a hole that I'll never be able to get out of. What was that? Somebody... Oh, it was a John Mulaney thing I was watching where he always he said he always ends things with just kidding. So if it ever gets played back in court. So regarding that whole cultural appropriation thing, just kidding. No, I think... I don't know. I, I don't have a dialogue here with anybody. This is just me talking and you could be listening and saying I'm full of shit and I don't really get it because I'm a white man and I have white male privilege. But um, I never, I had a whole conversation actually with a woman I know about cultural appropriation and um, she is, I never saw it like when, when I was in university and I wore a pin on St. Patrick's Day that said, kiss me, I'm Irish. I never really saw it as making fun of that group of people. I saw it as embracing the, the holiday and enjoying it. Um, you know, I didn't dress up like, you know, in, in, in green with a big 
green top hat and a shamrock on it and going a toodly doo like I, I don't know. I think everything is is uh, as I get older, I look back on stuff and wonder, you know, how did uh, how did we get by without offending everybody all the time? And everybody always is. It's it's a it's a tired thing to talk about because you're just everybody's always offended about something, something somebody said offended me, and I don't know. Look, I remember in the '80s going to high school, 1984, 85, and uh, people throwing pennies at me because I was Jewish, and you know I don't know if I went, I didn't go to the principal because I didn't even understand why these ignorant people were doing it. Uh, you know, I also remember uh, a gym teacher of mine, or as they say down here in, in uh, America, PE, a PE teacher of mine, we were doing long jump, uh, and the first thing he asked was if there were any Italians in the class. <laughs> so, the fuck, like, here I come out of Hebrew day school, I don't know anybody outside of, you know, the 22 or 23 people who have been in my class for the last eight years. Uh, and if I do, there are people I know, like, you know, through family or in my neighborhood. Like, I don't know anybody. And I'm scared out of my mind. I, there's kids in my class who've got body hair <laughs> in the ninth grade, fucking full beards, big old, you know, uncut schlongs. And here I am, little timid Jewish boy from the suburbs. Make it sound like I was going to some inner city school where, you know, it wasn't. It was, it was, you know, pretty white school. But the point being, you know, it was whatever multiculturalism was back in 1984-85. And this gym teacher, this PE teacher was like, do we have any Italians in the class? And this one kid raises his hand, Pino. I still remember, and, and the gym teacher was like, all right, uh, you're going to rake the long jump pit because, because I always get the Italian kids to rake the long jump pit. Everything about that beginning with asking if there's any Italians in the, in the group, uh, the only reason he should have asked that question was if he needed something translated and the Italian kids spoke Italian. There was no other reason for that whatsoever. So imagine today if a, if a PE teacher was like, do we have any Italians in here? Cause I always get the Italian kid to rake the, I don't even understand if it's like a cultural, uh, like uh, if, if it's like a slur on his culture, I don't get it, but it was what it was back in 1985 and it was wrong. But nobody ran to the principal's office, I don't think. Maybe Pino went home and told his parents, and they were like, oh, my God, I peed. No, you see, I took it to the extreme. I made it unnecessarily stereotypical. And everybody's up in arms about what this woman said at the White House correspondence dinner because she was mean to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Actually, she wasn't. The joke I saw talked about a smoky eye and how she burns the facts. Facts. F-A-C-T-S. Maybe she should have used the word truth. Then people wouldn't have thought she said the word fat. But um, it's funny. I watch the press briefing sometimes, and I see this woman, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, regularly lie to the American people, to the press, regularly 
deflect to, I don't know that. I'll get back to you on that. I'd have to look into that some more. She works for a president who paid a porn star hush money um, to cover up an affair that he had. And they're a little upset over a joke. And again, it was made in the in the realm, in the world of comedy. Um, but again, I also find that that is another issue, another place where we're losing our sense of humor, I guess, really. Like, I always understood. I knew going into a comedy club, going into a comedy show, that what I was hearing on the stage was a joke. If it was mean-spirited, <laughs> I don't know, spirit, I think I added some syllables to that. If it was mean-spirited, it was still a joke. If they were attacking one culture, one race, one religion, one sex, one 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 whatever, it was a joke. I didn't genuinely believe that the person I was seeing on stage felt that way. It was a character they were playing. It was a uh, an absurdity they were pointing out to the extreme, you know? I mean, not all airlines serve peanuts. <laughs> yeah, that's what offended me. Oh, the airline. What's the deal with peanuts on the airlines? But, um... But I always understood that it was a joke, and it was in it was in humor. It, and anyway, I, I also think that the White House Correspondents' Dinner really like it. Just because the president doesn't show up, they use it as an opportunity to beat the living shit out of this despicable man. Um, and what I'm really hoping to change gears again, because what's her name? Uh, the woman, uh, the the adult film actress Stormy Daniels was on Saturday Night Live the other night and she had a bit of a cameo um, and then I, I was saying to my wife I said you know what what I think they should do is they should make a uh, a porno and they should call it like you know trumped up okay and Stormy Daniels should be in the in the porno because she does that. She's an, act, an adult film actress. Uh, you ever notice that they're always porn stars? They're never porn bit players. <laughs> anyway, um, so I think she should be, she should make a porno and she should call it Trumped Up and her character could be, uh, her character could be, be, I'm just looking up something on my uh, phone. But it doesn't matter. So her character would be Stormy Daniels, and she would be having a torrid affair with a real estate mogul, Denison. I forget. I forget the alias that he used when he signed the hush, the uh, not NDA. But but she should make a movie that details their affair and put stuff in it that is so specific to their affair that only he and her would know about it, and then. Uh, I don't know if she's violating the NDA because the only way it could be proven that she was violating the NDA was by saying the subject matter of that adult film was covered in the NDA. So like if he has, you know, some weird birthmark on his ass or <clears throat> I don't know, he, he only wanted to, you know, go down on her if she referred to him as the host of The Apprentice. I don't fucking know. 
I don't even think he would go down on her, to be honest with you. Let's talk about the president going down on a porn star. Um, that was really a terrible, terrible children's song. I don't know if you remember it. Um, it was called Let's Talk About the President Going Down on a Porn Star. Let's talk about the president. I actually, I had a, so I think that's what she should do. I think she should make a porno based on their affair with only details in it that he would know. And it would infuriate him. And that word I didn't stumble on, but the other word I did. And then I sang that song about the president going down on a porn star. And uh, then it reminded me that, that I woke up from a dream singing a song the other day that was called uh, It's Fun to Be a Cannibal. <laughs> and I was like, it was, I, in my mind, it was a children's song. It was like, oh, it's fun to be a cannibal. And it talked about eating fingertips and, you know, toenails and toes. And I don't know, maybe, oh, we were watching Silence of the Lambs. That's my favorite movie about a cannibal. What is yours? Do you have a favorite movie about a cannibal? Named Hannibal Lecter. And then I was singing another song while I was putting laundry away that basically went, it was a song to my wife saying, oh, <clears throat> you don't need any more socks. You don't need any more socks. You don't need any more socks or any more underwear. Because I was putting laundry away. And for the last three times that my wife and I have gone to Costco, she has bought these little um, tennis socks, I guess. That dry terribly, by the way. They don't even dry well in the in the in the dryer, but but she's bought them and uh, she doesn't need any more. But you know, say la vie, Robbie Neville. That's just the way it goes. That's life sometimes. Um. So that's all uh, I got for right now. But I'm gonna do a quick pause for station identification. I was listening to a baseball game the other night and they said, quick pause for 10 seconds for station identification. Then they had dead air for 10 whole seconds. And uh, as somebody, uh, you know, who used to be in radio, you know, dead air is never a good thing because at 10 seconds, you're going to lose your audience right there. They are going to disappear. And speaking of uh, radio... I was thinking about something that I always found funny when I would write commercials. Uh, it was that it always seemed like uh, car dealerships and furniture stores were always, always, always overstocked. Um, and I always thought their buyer should be fired because it was always, we've got too many Hondas, we've got too many Kias, the Kia Sorento, we are overrun with them. This past weekend, we discovered an overshipment of brass framed brass bed frames at our Searville Road location. Searville Road. For those of you in Ottawa, you know all about Searville Road. No, you don't. Back in a flash. Just hold on. I'm going to stop this for a second. Okay. Okay. So I disappeared for a minute. I was going to, uh, I was going to go and read, um, an excerpt from the diary I kept while I traveled 25 years ago, but I don't think that would be interesting. Instead, I was talking about high school and the Italian kid who uh, wrote whatever he did. 
you know what I'm saying. So I grabbed my yearbook from 1985-86 when I was in... I don't even know what grade I was in. 10th grade, I think? I was such a stupid, stupid person. Like, I'm not even kidding. Uh, there I am. Wait. Yeah, 10th grade. I am right here. Jonathan, they spelt my name wrong. They spelt it with an O. I'm wearing a Betty Boop t-shirt. And I am in the same row as one woman I know still on Facebook. I'm friends with her. She's an artist. Uh, do not know what happened to that guy, Ranjan Banerjee. Nor do I remember the guy next to him. I think they have some names mixed up. Oh, that was that woman. Yeah, they did not do a good job here keeping uh, people in order. Somebody wearing a Camp Beverly Hills t-shirt. That kid looks like he's wearing a Motley Crue t-shirt. I'm, like I said, wearing the very masculine Betty Boop t-shirt. And my hair looks like it was piled on. Oh my god. This is funny. Oh, there, there's old Kenny Davis wearing his Penn State jersey. Hey, I wonder if anything... Wonder if Penn State, what a great school. With absolutely a unblemished record of child safety. That's what's going through his head in that fucking shirt. <laughs> I'm not making fun of the molestation. I'm making fun of the fact that he's wearing that shirt. Um, oh, there, there's somebody else wearing a Notre Dame jersey. Oh. Yeah, oh, there's that guy. Just uh, Now I'm just looking, oh, this guy is wearing a fucking Jack Daniels t-shirt. We're in the 10th grade, and he's wearing a Jack Daniels t-shirt. That's funny in and of itself. I don't remember any of these people, and they probably don't remember me. I'm just trying to look now to see the t-shirts that people are wearing. Oh, somebody wearing a Who t-shirt, yeah. That's, that's not unexpected. I don't see any Fido Dido t-shirts, though, as I'm looking here. I did see the Cats one. Whoa, that dude just looks high as a fucking kite. <laughs> and that guy looks like he was going for a uh, Sid Vicious look. Uh, oh, and that guy also looks... Wow. That's not even a guy. Wait, is it one, two, three, four? That is a woman. That is not, oh, that, no, that looks like a dude. That looks, so, this is what somebody wrote to me. I'm, I'm not even, dear John, I was so mad we didn't have business class this year. I just love Mrs. Noon. Anyways, I hope you have a great California experience. Have a great time. Say hi to Mickey. I still know that girl. I'm not telling you her name, though. John, well, Mr. Biology, I was really impressed this year by your at doing extremely exciting labs. You were especially good at add saliva to test tubes. It makes no sense to me. Well, seeing you and your really nice clothes in Mrs. Carr's class was definitely the highlight of my year. Seriously, it was nice getting to be better friends with you. In one of the other signatures, I saw Have a Good Time in California. It's literally right next to what you, this person wrote. So if you're going, <laughs> I also hope that you have an amazing time. Love always, 
a woman named Judy. I don't know who she is, nor do I think that we're still in love. What do you know about that? I think I only got girls to sign my yearbook. John John the Leprechaun, that's hysterical, went to school with nothing on, but it turned everyone on. Thanks for telling me that I smell like a new shoe. What's new? Ha ha. That rhymes. I can't believe that you drew a penis on my frog. And then you castrated him. I imagine that is something we were in biology with. I don't know. I was so embarrassed. Have you gotten a chubby lately in French? I know MPs. Brew clothes. I don't know. And her body totally turned you on. I don't know what any of this means. I was an amazing... You were an amazing biology partner. I was really sad when I had to leave you. Oh, that's too bad, partner. I was really sad when I had to leave. Steph and I had a ton of fun putting papers on your hat. Well, John, darling, have an amazing summer. Apparently a lot of people that year wanted me to have an amazing summer. Whether I did or not. Some guy wrote on the whole fucking first page. I don't know. I don't even want to go through it. It's so big. John, this guy was practicing his cursive. I don't know. I can't even read it. I don't know. I this is probably Dear John, it has been a wonderful it has been wonderful listening to you commenting on someone's boobs. Well, well anyways, thanks for the matzah and the Jewish lessons. The Jewish lessons. You'll make a Jew out of me yet. Keep on playing that harmonica. This makes no sense to me. None of this makes any sense to me. I'll make a Jew out of you yet. What the fuck does that mean? To my dearest darling buddy John, it was absolutely it was absolutely ecstatic. I was absolutely ecstatic about having you in biology and English classes. Biology would not have been enjoyable if you weren't there. I'm really going to miss you next year. Oh, by the way, my froggy has a penis. Anyways, I wish you all the best of luck in the future and have an amazing summer. Call me sometime. And then the woman left her phone number. Don't know who she is. Wonder if that phone number is still active. Have a great summer. Keep smiling, you silly Jew. Someone wrote that. Keep smiling, you silly Jew. Did I care? No. No. I just chalked it up to somebody calling me a silly Jew, which based on, maybe I should just call my podcast. The Silly Jew Podcast. Somebody wrote a lot here. Can't even read it because they wrote it in red on white and uh, it did not... It's fading. Um, She wrote it in a poem. Give me a call. Why is the cafeteria food always yellow or brown? And she left her phone number. Doubtful that she's still at that number. Because that was in 1985-86. It's been 32 years. 32 years. So, I just felt like reading excerpts from my uh, old high school yearbook. Maybe I'll do it again. This seemed to go over really well. I literally rambled on about nothing for quite a while. So maybe that's where I'll end it. I can only hope that some of the dinging you heard in the back is uh, responses, are responses to my uh, requests for interviewing people. Um, I do have two that hopefully will f- come to fruition in the next few weeks. A friend of mine I want to talk to, but he is in, uh, 
Paris now. He's in he's in France. Sorry, at the Cannes Film Festival. Doesn't that sound fancy? And uh, what have I got coming up over the next few weeks? Well, I'll be at the Barnes and Noble in uh, Tyson's signing uh, my new book, How to Draw Nipples on Mannequins. And uh, then I'll be signing uh, the follow-up to that book, uh, How to Draw Perky Nipples on Mannequins. Uh, And I'll be doing that at the Barnes and Noble uh, at Fair Oaks. Uh, I'm going to be in Pennsylvania in the next couple of weeks in Pittsburgh, going to uh, Wizard World. I'll be appearing there. I'm not even going to be appearing there, but you're going to see pictures. And I really have have hopes, I have high hopes that I'm going to get my son... Uh, to be noticed by Stephen King because the costume that we have put together and it's his idea, my execution with his help and the help of a dry cleaner slash um, seamstress it's coming together and it's going to be good and it's Mother's Day coming up on Sunday have you got something for your mom? I got something for my wife I didn't get anything for my mom yet but I'll call her I also found some old cards here Cannot read that one because it's illegible. This one, I think, was written for my daughter. Congratulations. Please talk to our boys. All the best. Oh, I guess. Oh, I get it. Yeah, okay. Mm, Can't even read that. A baby. May she bring happiness to your home and joy to your hearts. Well, she's done that, I'll tell you. In spades. Okay. So Wizard World, and I want to get Stephen King to notice my son. And I talked about cultural appropriation. And I want to thank everybody for listening to this thing. Um, It's a podcast. It's near and dear to my heart. And I entered a contest on Squarespace to be the next great podcast host. And I hope that they, you know, at least consider me. Um, inundate their mailbox with with uh, information. I really hope that my two interviews that I've sent out feelers for online come back and I'm able to put these people on because I think they'd make great interviews. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. The podcast is Too Lazy to Write uh, with your host, me, the real John Baker. Too Lazy, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word write.com. You can contact me on that. There's a submission form. Uh, you can also contact me uh, on Twitter at the real John Baker, no H in John, because um, short for Jonathan. Now you know a little bit more about me. Uh, my thanks today to my special guests. I didn't have any fucking guests, <laughs> but I hope that the guy that uh, that uh, you know my my daughter babysits for this family. I hope that guy got laid by his wife. I hope he got laid. <laughs> And if he did, he's welcome. It was my doing. That's all. I'm going to talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye. Too lazy to write. We're only thinking about.